0: Good morning. We are truly glad that you are here, and I am so glad to be here. Whatever you've walked into this room carrying from, maybe you've had a week like I've had, a few meltdowns, work has been crazy, life has been crazy. Whatever you have walked into this room carrying, just take a moment, take the next hour or so, and just come in fixing your eyes on God, knowing He is the one that can carry all of those things for you. So we just release them into his hands. This morning we are going to read from Psalm 33. Let the godly sing for joy to the Lord. It is fitting for the pure to praise him. Praise the Lord with melodies on the lyre. Make music for him on the ten-stringed harp. Sing a new song of praise to him. Play skillfully on the harp and sing with joy, for the word of the Lord holds true, and we can trust everything he does. Praise God. He loves whatever is just and good. The unfailing love of the Lord fills the earth. The Lord merely spoke, and the heavens were created. He breathed the word, and all the stars were born. He assigned the sea its boundaries and locked the oceans in vast reservoirs. Let the whole world fear the Lord and let everyone stand in awe of him. For when he spoke, the world began. It appears at his command. Praise you, Lord. Lord, I thank you for that, for (laughs) who you are. Lord God, for all of that that you have done and you do and are capable of, all powerful, yet you look down on us and see from the smallest detail of our life to the biggest mountains that we need moved, and you are able. Lord God, I thank you that you love us so much. The God that placed the heavens and the earth loves us so much. Lord God, I just commit the service to you today. Lord, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand as we say the creed this morning? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended to the dead The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, in Christ's universal church, the communion of all believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. that the reason that we come in here and collectively sing and worship, if if you're new here, this might be new to you, but we come in here and we sing and we worship because the word of God, the Bible tells us that he inhabits the praises of his people. And so some of these words, like I'm I'm singing this morning, God, you are unshakable. How many of you this morning feel unshakable? I certainly don't right now. I certainly do not feel unshakable. And sometimes I don't even look at God like he's unshakable. But he is. And so you might be singing and praising God. And sometimes you're like, God, really? Are you really all-powerful? Are you really almighty? And you sing and you praise, and then God shows up. So I encourage you this morning, as we're singing, you might not feel it. But just keep singing and praising God who is worthy. You know, this morning I, I read about how god's word is true you can believe it you can count on it and so we sing and we praise the god that we can count on when when work has been a mess when you're dealing with anxiety when you don't know what you're going to do with your future or you don't know what the next step is you can come and praise a god who is unshakable so we are going to pray this morning and at the end of service we're going to open the altars if you need prayer i'm going to be up here gary's going to be up here we would love to pray with you um, but right now, we're going to pray, and I just encourage you to put that need right now before the Lord that you have. Maybe it's um, an addiction. Maybe it's depression. Maybe it's a healing. Maybe it's something that seems so impossible. We're just going to hold it out to the God. God, you are worthy of our praise and our adoration, for you are the Lord most high, and nothing is too difficult for you. Your steadfast love for us is unfathomable. In a world where so many are craving love, Lord God, you give it freely. We don't even have to do anything or be a certain way. You love us. Your faithfulness cannot be grasped, for it is too amazing for us to comprehend, and we thank you for that. God, thank you for giving your life to save us. And this morning... We all cry out to a God most high with our need. We're holding it before you or our needs. Maybe we can't even hold our arms up because our needs are so great right now. Lord God, we pray to a God who fulfills his purposes for us. To a God who sends from heaven to save us. I pray, Lord God, for those who are here right now who feel like they need saving. They're in trouble. They're at the end of their rope. They don't know what to do. They don't know what the future holds. God, I pray that you would show yourself to them. I pray that they wouldn't feel defeated, but they would feel strength and hope, the strength and hope that only comes from a God who loves us and who has a plan for our lives. Lord, for all the issues of life are found in you. God, I pray for those that are here who don't feel like they have a purpose for their lives right now. I pray that nothing would come between them fixing their eyes on you. The storms come and we feel shaken, but your love and your purpose never change and are never shaken. Lord God, for those that are here or for those that we love that are in the midst of addiction or fear or confusion or searching, God, I pray that you would give them your hope, for that is a hope that is full of life and joy. Lord, I pray for our children and our families. Lord, for he who began a good work is faithful to complete it. And some of our children have rejected you, are not walking with you. Lord, I pray for their hearts and for their lives. Pour your Holy Spirit out, rich upon this room. Lord, we don't have all the answers that the world tells us we need, but we have the only answer that we need, and that is you. I worship your name. We praise you. Amen. Take a moment and find somebody you don't know and greet them this morning.
1: Well, again, we are very glad that you are here. If you're joining us because it's a baptism Sunday, you are very welcome. If you're joining us online for the same reason, um, we are glad that you're with us. It's an exciting Sunday to be here, to be joining us. So if you are new and you want to scan the QR code in the uh, row in front of you or in the bulletin or fill out your new here form, we would love to hear from you, love to know who you are. Um, If you received a new here form on your way in and you want to bring that over to the Information Center after service, there's a gift waiting for you, so we would love if you would do that as well, we're glad that you're here. So, a couple announcements for this week coming up. Today is our final FDC youth meeting at 4 o'clock. So, um, kids, teens, four o'clock up in the family fellowship center for our last regular meeting and gary and his team will have events during the summer some they usually do kayakings, maybe some bowling some other fun events you will hear about that if you are a teen in middle school or high school who hasn't been to fdc youth before but are interested in just maybe doing one of the activities seeing what it's about you are very welcome so as you hear through the summer things happening, please um join Gary and his group. Um it's a it's a fun group of teens and you are very welcome to join them for those things. All right, also coming up July 2nd, um, we will have a child dedication service during our morning worship time. If you are interested in having a child dedicated, um, you can go over to the information booth. You can see um, Pastor Jason as well for in- information about that. You can email the office. Um, so we have some families who will be doing that. We would love for you to join them as well if you have young kids um who you would like to dedicate to the Lord. Coming up this Saturday is our men's meeting. They're doing coffee and bagels or donuts in the cafe here, so plan to join them at 8.30 this Saturday morning. Yes, that's this Saturday. And you are very welcome there as well. And we want to thank you. Um, As we think about giving, we... uh, Every week, we thank you. But um, as we talk about our core values, as we talk about ways that we want to serve you in the community, um, we want to know that this is a place for you, that we want to care for you here, that we want to love you as you come here. Um, and as you give, um, it allows us to do that. One of the things we haven't talked about in a while is our FDC app. Um, if you scan the QR code in your bulletin, there are directions on how to download the app. That's one way to stay connected to this family Um During the week, you can add your prayer requests on the prayer wall. Um, You can... There's a Bible app you can read through scripture right on the app, take notes um, from the sermon. And also Pastor Jason has been um, posting a blog on our blog part of the app as we pray for our country through, these, through this next month up into the 4th of July. So there's lots of ways to use that app. We want you to feel connected to this place. Um, and it's for, for those of you who give regularly, who make these things happen, we are so grateful for your giving. Um, so on that No, we are not going to do our normal thing of continuing in our song worship, but we are going to go to our sermon, so give your attention to our video.
2: Jason, I'm the pastor here at Faith Discovery Church, and I just want to say thank you so much for joining us today. It's a special, I'm going to be honest, it's one of my favorite days of the year. It's a celebration day, it's Baptism Sunday, and so I want to thank you for being here on one of the Great, uh, one of the great calendar days we have in our church. For, for, every year when we put together the calendar, Baptism Sunday is a celebration. But for five, and maybe more if somebody makes a last minute just I want to jump in the water decision this morning. But for five people, today's a day they'll never forget. It's a day where they tell the world, uh, that they're part of God's family, God's kingdom, and they want to let everybody else know that they belong to this family. And so, uh, I'm glad you're here to celebrate with them. And, uh, we're going to jump right into our message because I don't want to uh, take too much time away from that. But before we do, one piece of information I do need to, a uh, piece of business I do need to t- talk about. Uh, if you're new with us, we're at church. Uh, surprise. Uh, I think you probably knew that. Kids, you're allowed to go. I was supposed to do that. This is what happens when I don't follow my notes. Ah, um, awesome to see so many kids here today. That's awesome. I love when children are at church. Uh, and I want church to be fun for kids. Uh, and I want it to be fun for the rest of us too. But I really want kids to find joy, peace, happiness here at church so this is, they realize that this is a the place they want to be. Okay. Uh, we're a church, but because of the, because we're a church, there are some legal things that we need to do. One of which is we have a membership that we're supposed to follow. And out of that membership, we have a group of people called our leadership board, our elders and our deacons. And, uh, we're in the process, uh, this time of the year is the time where we nominate maybe new people towards the deacon board. The deacons are nominated from the, um, from the membership. And so, if you have someone that you would like to nominate for the position of deacon, first you should ask them. Them if they want to be a deacon, or if you'd like to be do it yourself, you're you're welcome to nominate yourself. And then all and then when they say yes that they're okay with that, you should let me or one of the leadership team know. You could Laura, who was up here, um, uh, pretty much any of the people you typically see up here, or if you know one of the. Uh, deacons or elders, and you would like to pass that name along, you could do that to myself, you could do that to Phil, but we need that name within the next week. That that closes next Sunday, and so if you're wanting to think about someone to nominate, that needs to happen by then. I think that's all of the business that we need to take care of, and let's jump right in to our our talk this morning. Today we jump back into a study that we've been doing on the book of James. Uh, it's a, uh, today's, today's passage is a, is a, is a thick passage of scripture. It's a, it's a topic that has been debated for literally thousands of years. Well, it can really only be two can't be more than two because it was written 2000 years ago, but pretty much since the time it was penned, it's been, uh, debated, tried to figure out. And it's, uh, over the past, maybe thousand years, it's caused real controversy in the church, and by the church, I don't mean this church. Our church hasn't been here for a thousand years. We've been here for ninety-one, uh, or two. We'll celebrate a hundred years in just a few years. That'll be fun. Invite you to that celebration. Uh, teasing that out there right now. But, uh, for, for a thousand years, we've been, ar- the church, it's, the big church has been arguing what, what does James mean by this passage and how do you justify it when there seems to be other passages in the New Testament, other, passages especially by the apostle paul that seem to counteract what we're going to talk about this morning what do you do when the bible seems to contradict itself has anybody ever read the bible in such a way and found it to say that seems to be in opposition to something else it says in the bible if you've read the bible on a large portion and you are not just so here's something we do sometimes We know the Bible is sacred, so we read it and we just accept what it says and we don't challenge it at all. But, we're, we're meant to wrestle with scripture. There are times where Scripture challenges us. You may not agree with that. That doesn't mean that you don't accept it or that you don't uh, uh, work towards it. But there are times where we'll wrestle with Scripture, and today's passage has been wrestled with. And so as we read the the second half of the second chapter of James, he talks about faith and works. Um, And he argues that true faith results in us doing something. True faith is evidenced by the way we live, by the choices that we make, by the actions that we make. It's not enough for us to say we have faith in Christ. St. Francis of Assisi would say that you should never have to say that you have faith in Christ, that your actions will prove it. When our faith is inactive, James says in, in verse 17, it's like a dead body without a spirit. And he actually repeats this, this eerie form or this eerie argument four different times in the passage. And he uses that the structure of that argument to drive home his point that our faith requires action or requires works. But that's what I want to talk about this morning. Does our faith really require works what does that mean and how can we how can it be held true if we also think about some of paul's passages that seem uh to to counteract it like ephesians chapter 2 where paul says we are saved we are made right with god by faith and by grace That there's nothing you have to do other than believe in Jesus to be right with God. How do you take the fact, how do you justify, how do you come to a point of agreement where you have two biblical authors who one says you're saved by God's grace and not anything you do on your own. And another one who says your faith, if it's not accompanied by actions, isn't really faith. We're gonna talk about that this morning. I'm glad you asked. That's a good question. And so we're gonna look at some abstracts of James's argument. We're gonna find that those two guys, when taken in the context of what they're talking about, don't counteract each other, but they're both pointing people towards having faith in Jesus and what it means to be a Christian. And so remember James is writing to he's it's it's pretty much the first book of the New Testament written. He's writing to Jewish Christians that have been spread across the Mediterranean who are living in under persecution but they've left Jerusalem because of Jewish persecution uh because of persecution in Jerusalem and because uh Israel in that area was was dealing with a massive famine. There's a massive shortage of food in that area, and so people are going to other places uh, to find relief. It's kind of like when campfires all of a sudden invade where you live, out of Canada, and you're like, i got to find a different place to breathe because it feels like the air is turning orange. And so if anybody left, that's kind of what's happening. They're trying to find a safer place. And so in James chapter 2, starting in verse 14, it says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but no deeds? Can such faith save them? Remember, Paul says we're saved by what? Grace alone. We're saved through our faith in Jesus. And then James says... Can, I, can, a, can, that, can, a, can faith really save you if it's just faith? Verse 15, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm, and be well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, it is not, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I'll show you my faith by my deeds. You believe there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Now James, where's that last sentence where he says, even the demons believe that and shudder? He's talking about Jesus. Jesus made claims about himself that even demons believed. There are multiple times where Jesus is con- uh, confronts a demon-possessed person, and out of the person the demon will say, leave us alone, Lord. Even the demons call Jesus Lord. And so if you're, if you're evidence of your faith, if you're, James is saying, if what you can show to, that, that is evidence that you believe God is that you say it, but only that you say it, there's no real evidence there. Because when Jesus comes into our life, when he invades our soul, we begin to see life differently, and we begin to prioritize things differently. And so James is saying, if you want to be different in a world, remember, last week, if you were here, we talked about James really urged these first century Christians to be radically different. In the world. So so different than those around them that people would see them and want to be angry at them because of their faith, but couldn't because they were so generous of spirit towards them. That they were loving towards those who hated them. And now he says, You prove your faith, you evidence your faith. When you do that, when you live so differently that people can't understand why you're as kind as you are. He speaks to the classic, I'm going to be honest, I'm going to judge myself. To the classic move that so many of us Christians do when we see someone in need. We we try to encourage them. We tell them it's going to be okay. But all too often, we don't do anything of sacrifice to ourselves to make their life better. We should, when faced with a need, it should be our default thing to pray first. We should pray. When someone, when we confronted with someone in need, we should pray for them. And then we should do something. But all too often, we pray for them and go home. And I'm talking to myself. You see, for Jewish people, providing and caring for the poor was a fundamental way for living out the command to love God and love others. And so when, when James says... The reason James uses an example of the poor is because it's part of their culture to take care of the poor. It's how you show that you love God. James instructs his readers that true faith acts on behalf of the poor and the oppressed. If all we do is say, good luck, I hope you find what you need, but we don't help, it shows an anemic, even a dead faith. Psalm 113 says, God in his grace raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. As followers of God, as followers of Jesus, as people who had found the Messiah, Jesus is telling people that we're to act, uh, to demonstrate God's character and his kingdom, and to recognize that we ourselves are needy, we need him. And when he comes and meets our needs, he's been so good and generous to us that we should then be likewise to others. Out of the goodness of God that God has given us, we are to give. That's been a, that's been a theme that God has worked with his people since Abraham. The Abrahamic covenant, the basis for Jewish faith that the people James is talking to who have found the Messiah of the Jewish faith in Jesus he says from the the genesis of our faith God has said, God said to Abraham I'm going to bless you, why? so that you could be a blessing to all the nations when we receive something from God, it's not for us it's for us to give well that's different than what we know to be true. I like to get stuff. I like to get stuff too much. God gives so that I could reflect his character in a world of darkness. These first century Christians lived in a dark world of Roman oppression. And it would have been very easy for James to write to them and say, Listen, I want you to persevere. It's going to be hard, but I want you to persevere. Take care of each other and know that it's going to be hard. But God will get us through. And that's a portion of James's message. That's about the first three verses of chapter 1. And then he goes on to say, even though you're in the weak spot, even though you're the oppressed, live like you're not. Be more generous than you would even want people to be to you. And live in such a way that it can't help but inspire others to follow what you're doing. Because true faith loves the poor. Repeatedly throughout scripture we see this, that love is shown through action. We are not supposed to wish the war the poor well and then return to our homes. We should provide. We should help. We should serve. We feed. We clothe. And it's not with a top-down attitude. It's with a humble heart that says, I was in need and God gave me. And so out of this abundance of gratefulness I have, the way we say thank you to God for his love and his grace is by giving to people who bear his image. And every one of us are created in his image. And so when you see someone who's in need, the way you say thank you to God for all he's given is to help that person in need. True faith means that our hearts have been changed. That a, and a changed heart is demonstrated through action. That's why James is saying that faith with no demonstrable action is not real faith. Because it's dead. And James tells us it's like like a dead body. It's, It's like Weekend at Bernie's. Some of you get that reference. Some of you are like, why are you naming a movie that's 25 years old? Probably older than that. Faith animates. Deeds animate our faith. They give, they give life to our limbs. Going on in verse, uh, verse 20, James continues, You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham, going back to what I just talked about, the person I just referenced, considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together. And his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. You see, the person that is considered righteous by what they do, you see, that a person is considered righteous by what they do, and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. I want to clarify some things that seem weird about the examples that James is using. He references Abraham, which is not weird. If Israel had a, a, a Mount Rushmore, Abraham's the first face. But of all the stories that he uses, he uses the one where it involves attempted murder. Abraham straps his son to an altar and is going to kill him. That's murder. And God stops him right at the last minute. So so, So the murder doesn't happen. Of all the examples that you could use from Abraham's life, the... Don't use the one where he's trying to kill his son. But James is saying, this is how extreme it is. This is, you see his faith when he's believing God that this, but he puts his faith to the test by doing the difficult thing. Also, why would he use a prostitute as an example? Of all the examples he could use from the Old Testament, he uses the prostitute Rahab. And he even makes sure, he doesn't just say, I, I'm going to name Rahab. He makes sure everyone knows the, the harlot. Just to clarify, she's a sex worker. The word harlot didn't mean different. The word prostitute didn't mean something different in, in Old Testament times or in New Testament times. And that's the example James uses for someone who has faith. Okay if he's willing to evidence faith through someone who's about to commit murder or someone who's a a prostitute, what he's saying is, if they have faith, how much more can you have faith? And how much more can your deeds evidence your faith in Jesus? It's It can be confusing, and there have been times where I've wrestled with it because we've come into an age where people have taken this verse— or this section, and they've made it into, if you don't do this, you're not a Christian. Have you ever had someone do that? Or how about this? For those of you who are teenagers in the room, I know you've heard this because I've heard this. I don't want to be a Christian because it's all about the rules. There's a bunch of things you're not allowed to do. That starts from a very young age by the way and we don't just talk about it as from christianity we don't like rules those of you who have tried to raise a two-year-old you know this it doesn't get very far into life we don't get very far into life till we determine we want to make the rules and so when we hear someone interpret this passage as saying, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this, and you can't do any of these things, Christianity doesn't seem at all appealing. And so we don't like this passage because it talks about rules. But James isn't talking about rules at all. He's talking about such a devotion to the God who gave up everything for us that out of the fruit of our heart of gratefulness, we live in such a way that reflects His character in the world instead of ours. And it's so vastly different when you're the oppressed person being kind to the oppressor. That's who He's talking to. And He's saying, You want to show real faith? Love the Romans. Be so grateful to God that you love the people who hate you, despise you. And when I say love, don't just be like, I love those guys. Go work at the food bank in the Roman section of the city. Be generous when you have nothing. And all of a sudden... It's not about what we're supposed to do. This passage is not telling you what you're supposed to do. It's telling you that when you have faith in Jesus, when the Holy Spirit comes in and and rests in us, that's such a great... There's such a generous gift of peace and love and devotion. And you begin to find the purpose for which you were created in the world. And when you find those things, you can't help but be grateful for them. When you live in a world that has no peace and you find peace, you want to give it to others. We're not, James refers back to the Old Testament and to examples of, of Rahab and Abraham, and we talked about their weird scenarios, but these people are Polish opposites. I mean, not Polish opposites. I don't know, polar opposites. That's what happens when you trust spell check. Because that word wasn't spelled wrong, it's just the wrong word. But you're all awake now. They're polar opposites. But for both of those situations, their faith led to them doing something. It took incredible faith, faith that showed itself through the way Rahab spoke, and the way she acted. If you don't know her story, I encourage you to read it in Joshua chapter 2. We don't have time to go into it this morning. But it's, it's this incredible person who's not Jewish, who make, for whatever reason has an experience with God and realizes there's something special in the Jewish people that she's hosting. And she goes out of her way to help them. And in Hebrews 11, where the writer of Hebrews, we don't know who it was. Some will say it was Apollos. Those of you who are, were with us in our Hebrew study will find humor in that, because that's where PJ and I tend to veer a, a, away from each other. But the writer of Hebrews, when he's listing all the people he could list throughout history for their faith, lists a pr- prostitute because of the faith she exhibited in helping the Jewish people. James writes to, to, the, to the Jewish Christians and he tells them that uh, we show ourselves. We show ourselves. We show the way God has changed us by the way we actually live. He reveals himself in us and we reveal ourselves through our actions. It's as though we can look at Abraham and say, obviously he, it was okay what he did because God supplied a ram. We can look at it, it, it through, through rose-colored glasses because it all works out in the Bible. But he didn't know in the moment. In Galatians chapter 5, I talk to you about how Paul talks about how we're justified uh through faith and we're saved by grace. Uh he's talking to a group of people in Galatia and I'll actually visit this city next week. I'm really excited about that. This region. He's he's talking to this group of region and there's he's talking to Christians who are start, who have been fooled by uh these new pastors that have come through. These new preachers have come through and they've started preaching it's not Jesus isn't enough. And they, there are rules in the Old Testament that you got to follow in order to find salvation through Christ. And there are three basic rules that they think they have to follow. In the Old Testament, there's 613 laws. These guys have narrowed it down to three basic things. you got to be circumcised. you got to eat food that is kosher. And the third one just went out of my head. three things that they have to do. And Paul's writing to them and said, stop doing this. Your faith is, your faith in Jesus is enough. If your faith in Jesus is enough, according to Paul, why is your faith not enough, according to James? James is not saying that your faith is not enough for you to be saved. What he's saying is your faith is evidenced by the way you live. Those of you who, I have teenagers who live in my house. Some of you have had this experience. And we talk to our teenagers about being financially wise. And pretty much the end of any lecture that I will give to my kids, I'll say, do you understand? And what, they will always say, They always understand. I must be a great communicator to my kids because they always say yes, they understand. But the evidence isn't in their yes. The evidence is how they handle the money. How often do they come, Dad, I need money. Mom, I need money. What happened to the money I just gave you yesterday? I spent it. Well, we told you that this was to last a week. Yeah, but I need more. You know what that means? It means they didn't get. No matter what they said about whether they understood the conversation or not, they didn't understand the conversation. It didn't sink in. James is saying, if you really come to faith, it's not that your actions will save you. It's that when you come to faith, you can't help but act. you 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 receive this incredible gift that you can't help but pay forward. That's what James is getting at. That our faith must actually move our hands, our feet, our minds, and our body to demonstrate the character of Christ and the priorities of the kingdom of God. We serve the poor. We fight oppression. We feed the hungry. We invite people into our homes. We encourage one another with words. We love our neighbors. When we do this, we don't need to tell people about Jesus. They'll see it in us. Why do you do those things? Because when I was lost, Jesus came and found me. When I had nothing... A miracle happened and I, and I was provided for. Because the person who I live next to is a Christian. And when they found out we had no food in our house, they provided for us. Let's not be known for our mere talking about our faith. Here's the challenge for me. That when I engage with people, they would ask me, do you go to church? What's different about you? You know, we. so I don't engage with a lot of people who, aren't, who don't know about Jesus in my work. You know where I engage a lot of people who don't know about Jesus? On the golf course. And when I'm on the golf course, I don't tell people that I'm a pastor. As soon as you tell people you're a pastor, two things happen. One, people apologize for swearing. As if I was, they have to apologize for me. And two, two things, they both happen all the time. They say, They tell you where they go to church. Because they're really worried, I'm going to try to get them to come to my church. You don't got to tell me about your God, I'm good. And so I try not to tell people that till about, I just ask questions all throughout the day, all through, or or the round. Until we get to 15 or 16, I stop asking questions, and people will say, What do you do? Well, I'm a pastor. Oh, sorry I was swearing. Okay, not a problem. Yesterday we had the vault breakfast, and um, it been an awesome morning. Brian Brian and his team did a great job, and the studio, yeah. One of the people who came was... uh, a town councilman and he was blown away by what was happening and he asked me and we were talking for a while and he said this is incredible what, what do you need from us from the town what do you need from I work for the town I'm a town councilman but I work for the county what do you need from us and I looked at him and I said I have no idea I've never thought about that question we don't talk about our need I said we want to serve you. We just want to be a resource to the community. We want to be a resource to the region. We don't think about what we need very often. And he was I said our needs are supplied by Jesus. Our needs are supplied by God. We believe in that. We believe, we we talk about it quite often. But we need to be a alo- we want to, we need to be a light in the community. We're supposed to be a resource for you. So the question is, what do you need? And he was like, I'll get back to you. And I loved that answer. Because I want to demonstrate the character of Christ and the priorities of God's kingdom to my community. Because I want them to know that church, that church, that brick church over on Brass Castle... Uh, every time we call them, they fill the need that we, we have. Every time we call them, they say yes. That's what I want to be known by. And that's what James is talking about. He's talking about faith, th- that our actions are, are, are so strong that they lead to people seeing Jesus. Because our actions matter. Our faith should be evidenced. We should People should be able to see what we believe in by the choices we make. That's true faith. Let's be known as people who believe in God, who love God and relentlessly love our neighbors. Because James is saying, let your faith be evidenced by your actions, by your choices. And that's what baptism is. Baptism is a choice to do something to evidence your faith. The the number of people who are going to join me up in the, Warm water, which we can all be thankful for. Have all come to a place where they say, I believe in Jesus. And I'm making this choice so that other people know it. That's an example of how we process our faith. We come to Jesus and he begins to change us and our actions reflect him in a world Would you pray with me? God, help us to be known by people's, people, by, as people whose choices reflect your character. Help us to be known not as just sayers of your word, but doers. Help us to shine your light into darkness so that someone finds hope. Because we found hope in you. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, just some quick logistics. We're gonna invite everybody to stand. The worship team is gonna lead us in a lead you in a song. I'm gonna go uh, myself and the baptism candidates, we're going to head that way. So if you're one of us, if you're one of the baptism candidates, we can meet right over here. Uh, Pastor Jay will lead us, and uh, we'll meet you uh, in the water. But while we're getting ready, we invite you to stand and sing. Even as Joy indicated earlier, that this, that we sing, we praise, that God inhabits, dwells in, makes residence in our praises. So we invite you to do that. And uh, when, when they come out of the water, encourage you to applaud. Or uh, if you want to make your way to the front for pictures, that stuff is okay. We do have some people taking pictures over here. But um, our first candidate is Arya Shurshan. Hi, Arya. How are you? Arya, have you accepted Jesus as your Savior? Yes. Okay. Do you have anything you want to say? Okay. I'm going to put you right here. Go ahead and cross your, put your arm over there like that. Aria, based on your confession of faith, I baptize you now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Alicia Vargas, how are you? It's warm, right? It's not bad. Uh, Alicia, have you accepted Jesus as your Savior? Would you like to say anything? I'm thankful for God always being there for everyone. i I wanted to give up myself. Others have given up for me, and I'm excited to continue my journey. Amen. Amen. Okay, you want to hold your nose. Okay, Alicia, based on your confession of faith. I baptize you now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is Jartu, Nema, is, is that, did I get it right? Okay, um, Jartu, you, uh, Jartu is you accepted Jesus as your savior. Is it your plan to follow him your whole life? Okay. Do you want to say anything? I just want
3: to say, I'm
2: mm-hmm. yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, Jar based on your confession of faith, do you want to hold your nose? I baptize you now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Come on, Steve. Steve, how are you? I'm doing well. Have you accepted Jesus as your Savior? Yes. Is it your intent to follow him your whole life? It is. Would you like to say anything? (laughs) Thank you very much for being here. Steve, based on your confession of faith, I baptize you now in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Annabelle Gorman, did I say that right? Yeah. Gorman. Um, Annabelle, have you accepted Jesus as your Savior? Yes. Yeah. Um, do you have anything you'd like to say?
3: i God for showing me unconditional love and
2: the love to all the people that are here supporting me. Mm, there you go. Well, that's awesome. Annabelle, do you want to hold your nose? Yeah, there you go. Based on your confession of faith, I baptize you now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you all for being here this morning. Would you stand with me? We do have some refreshments out in the cafe. Be great for you, to a great opportunity for you to congratulate and greet the uh, the baptism candidates and, and their families get to know. Find someone you've never talked to before and figure out, find out how they heard about our church and uh, 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 make sure you say hello. I'd like to offer today's benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord bless you and give you peace. Jesus, as we go forward this week, I pray that our lives would be evidence of your love. Even as Annabelle testified, your unconditional love. God, I pray that we would let other people know about that. In your name we pray. Amen. Have a great week. We will see you next Sunday. Safety pin it to the back of my collar. It means I don't have the ability to turn it off or on. I have to trust them to mute.